MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. Today, a member of the Oath Keepers who provided security to Roger Stone is arrested for his role in the insurrection. Retired Lieutenant General Russell Honore will propose a series of intensive security measures in the wake of the January 6th insurrection. The CDC releases recommendations for vaccinated Americans. Biden recommends two female generals for promotion that were held back during the Trump administration for fear Donald would not advance them. President Biden signed an executive order directing the Department of Education to review Trump administration changes to Title IX regulations that overhauled how schools and universities handle complaints of sexual assault and misconduct. Biden says he will deliver remarks during primetime on Thursday to mark the one-year anniversary of the COVID lockdown. Two top Democrats in New York asked for Cuomo's resignation. The trial of Chauvin, accused of the murder of George Floyd, begins today. The COVID bill goes back to the House for final passage. Charges have been permanently dropped against Breonna Taylor's boyfriend for shooting an officer the night she was murdered. The Supreme Court refuses to consider the final Trump election lawsuit. ICE says it's effectively ended family detention, and over half a million Texans have registered to vote under new online processes. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Wow, big news day. My goodness, my friend. Very impressive at the top of the hour, though. Very impressive. Uh, So you got all the headlines. So if you need to go to work now, that took forever. Uh, Feel free. Um, Happy International Women's Day. Indeed. And just a reminder for everyone listening that that includes trans women. Uh Uh-huh. Why? Because trans women are women. So please, let's remember that as we're celebrating these days in history. Mm, Absolutely. 100%. And uh, Dana, you and I will be going going over the lead stories, and then we'll have some news from under the radar. So many headlines today. And of course, we'll have the good news at the end of the show. Andrew Torres and I will be on the Stereo app live today at 5 p.m. Pacific. And then, of course, I'll be joining Dana for the Bean after party on stereo thursday at five pacific eight eastern oh it's always the highlight of my week so join us please do that if you aren't already on the stereo app it's super easy to sign up it's free they ask a little information then you get on there follow follow me i'm at dg comedy which is actually all my social media handles if you want to do instagram twitter what have you and allison gill make sure you follow allison on there as well Two L's and Allison, two L's and Gil, and uh, you can listen to us every Thursday. Mm. See, I already know your shtick. Every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard, 8 Eastern. Yeah. Did you ever do a comedy show where everyone got up and did everyone else's bit sets? That's fun. No, but I could have easily done that with some of my friends. <laughs> yeah, me too. And my God, did you see the Oprah interview? Ugh. I did. I watched the whole thing. And you know what? If, if I ever someone says to me, what? In the tone of Oprah Winfrey, you know you're in some big oh. shit because <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> that that was, yeah. I'm sorry. You guys were about the baby's color. Yeah, the the the, the tone of Archie's skin. Oh, so infuriating. I mean, there was a definitely. I mean. I know British Twitter's the thing. I bet it was lit up yesterday. Yeah, and and they didn't say who it was that had those conversations with Harry and Meghan about Archie's skin tone, but they said yes. who it wasn't. They said it wasn't Philip or the Queen. Um, which you know, hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna say it may or may not have who it may or may not have. I mean, someone might think it's possible it was Camilla. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying she said it. 
Um, but it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if that will ever come out. I was very impressed with Harry when Oprah pushed him on that. And he said, I'm absolutely not going to entertain this conversation. Yeah. And I think he's, he was protecting his family. You know, I saw one tweet and he basically, the tweet said, Harry is the husband we wish Diana had had. And it was such a powerful thing to say because he just doesn't want to see history repeated. He lost his mom. He does not want to lose the love of his life to this, you know, and a lot of it is just the press. It's this horrible attack by the press. Yes. And the lack of protection from the family. I shouldn't say the family. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say the family. I should say the firm. Yeah. And and that Archie wasn't going to get a title or any security. It's, it's just insane. And, and of course, um, Megan's mental health, that was really, really powerful. And I bet she saved a lot of lives. I, I bet she will continue to. Both of them will. Mm-hmm. Both of them will. Yeah. Well, we do have a lot of news to get to. Um, if you haven't seen that interview, watch it. It's it's pretty astounding. Um, but uh, let's get to the headlines today. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today. A suspected member of the Oath Keepers militia who provided security for Roger Stone on the day of the Capitol uh, insurrection has been arrested in connection with the riot. That's according to federal authorities on Monday. The man, Robert Menuda, was expected to appear on Monday afternoon in federal court in White Plains, New York, to face charges stemming from the siege. The documents containing the specific crimes that Mr. Menuda is said to have committed were not made public in advance of the hearing. Last month, the New York Times and other media outlets identified Mr. Menuda, who owns a tattoo parlor in upstate New York, as one of six Oath Keepers who guarded Roger Stone the morning of the insurrection. And Isaac Stephen Sturgeon, a 32-year-old Montana resident, traveled to Kenya after the insurrection, but he has now been deported back to the United States. He faces an eight-count indictment, and prosecutors will seek his detention to await trial. He was wanted for assault on federal law enforcement officers and had his photo added to the FBI's webpage on January 16th. Then he flew to Kenya on January 24th. Then he was ordered deported after he was indicted, and he was arrested as he arrived at JFK over the weekend. And it just I feel like maybe we need to fix a loophole in our system. If someone has put on an FBI watch list on January 16th, maybe they don't let him fly to Kenya on January 24th. Yeah, that might be something that comes up in the Insurrection Commission, right? Yeah. Like, how was he able to even get on a plane after he hadn't been arrested or charged yet, but he had been identified? So... That should be a thing. Yeah. It's just really, really, really interesting. Uh, this next story is fantastic. I'm just happy that it's happening. Um, so President Biden has nominated two female generals to the elite four-star commands. The Defense Department announced months after their Pentagon bosses had agreed on their promotion, but they held back out of fear that the president, then president, uh, the former guy, would reject the officers because they were Women. So the nominations of General uh, Jacqueline Devon Ovost, um, is Ovost correct? I have a feeling you probably know on that one. Yeah, I believe so. Great. Um, she was in the Air Force, and uh, she was nominated to head the Transportation Command, which oversees the military spawning global transportation network, and the um, nomination of Lieutenant General Laura J. Richardson of the Army to head the Southern Command, which oversees military activities in Latin America, now advance to the Senate, where they're expected to be approved. So the unusual strategy to this delay, we had covered this in the podcast before, 
This was intended to protect their accomplishments and their careers because they are both incredibly accomplished uh, in their field, um, in their prospective branches. And it was devised last fall by Mark Esper, and who was then, as we know, the Defense Secretary at the time, and General Mark Milley, so that he was the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time. Now they both thought, and this is such, this is such. It tells you exactly who Donald is. They both thought the two generals were exceptional officers deserving of the commands, but under uh, Donald, they were worried that any candidates other than white men for jobs mostly held by white men might run into resistance once their nominations reached the White House. So they were smart enough to hold on to these. I'm sure it was controversial at the time, but I think it was one of the best decisions that could have been made. The ceremony today was awesome. Um, Pre- uh, Vice President Kamala Harris announced... President Joe Biden, who then uh, announced on on International Women's Day the promotion of these it's fantastic. Um, incredible, incredible generals. Now, in a federal court filing Friday night, Immigration and Customs Enforcement says it's transitioning family detention centers to short-term facilities that will release families after no more than 72 hours. ICE's dis- disclosure, uh, made in the Flores lawsuit, brought more than a decade ago on behalf of immigrant children, effectively suggests that the agency is ending family detention. A policy actually started under the Obama administration in 2014, but made much worse by the zero tolerance policy. Now, even uh, who who Jeff Sessions is regretful mm-hmm. uh, is regretful about. The Trump administration st- sought to expand family detention by holding families over 20 days. Uh, the limit imposed by the judge in the Flores case. As of Friday, only 13 families remained in ICE detention, and seven had been scheduled for release that day. The remaining six families are scheduled to be released March 7th unless they test positive for COVID, in which case they'll be required to remain for a quarantine period before they're released. At the start of the Biden administration, ICE operated three family detention facilities, two in Texas, located in Dilley and Carnes counties, and one in Pennsylvania. As of February 26th, all families from the Pennsylvania facility have been released. As of February 26th, that's according to the filing on Friday, the two Texas facilities will become short term centers, while the Pennsylvania facility, Burke's Family Residential Center, will no longer house families. Good. In an interview with NBC on Thursday, Homeland Security Secretary Alex Mayorkas said ICE detention is not where a family belongs. I'm so happy they did this. Out of curiosity, and I know we've got a lot of news to cover, why Pennsylvania, AG? Do you have any idea? No, I'm not sure. Really interesting. I would I, I would be interested to know uh, why there was a detention facility in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh, so far away from the, so far away from the border. Um, something for me to look at. Something for me to look up. Um, This next story, President Biden marked International Women's Day Monday by signing two executive orders creating a gender policy council Mm -hmm. and reviewing Trump-era changes to Title IX, the federal law prohibiting sex-based discrimination in education, according to the administration's officials. Now, the first order establishes the White House Gender Policy Council to work with other policy councils to advance gender equality in domestic and foreign policy development, combat systemic bias and discrimination, including sexual harassment, and focus on increasing female participation in the labor force and decreasing wage and wealth gaps. That is huge. That's from the officials. Now, the council will also focus on transgender rights and supporting care workers, predominantly women of color. This is also tremendously important. Uh, officials point out the COVID-19 pandemic has hit women the hardest. Um, we know this, but not a lot of people do. 2.5 million left the workplace in 2020. Uh, that's 2.5 million mi- million women. And that's compared to 1.8 million men who did the same. 
Now, the U.S. Department of Labor's February jobs report, released Friday, found that Black and Hispanic women showed the greatest declines in labor force participation. So the Gender Policy Council, led by Julissa Reynoso, mm. Uh, Chief of Staff to the First Lady Jill Biden and Jennifer Klein, former Chief Strategy and Policy Officer for the Anti-Sexual Harassment Group Times Up, will work with all cabinet secretaries and submit an annual report to the president to measure progress on prioritizing gender equality across the government. Biden's likely to name a special assistant to the president and senior advisor on gender-based violence. The pre- Could you imagine this would never fucking happen in the last administration? No, releasing families from detention, uh, uh, you know, promising not to keep them more than 72 hours and, uh, you know, a gender equality, a gender policy council. And and it was also very important that, that Biden mentioned that transgender women are women. Absolutely. Uh, when when talking about this and that they're going to also focus on, on transgender women of color, which is, you know, the... It's just, we would never have been able to see anything like this. Like I have tears welling up in my eyes. I know I can hear you as I'm, as I'm reading the stories. I know that you're feeling this, um, this, you know, affected you personally. So I am, I hope that you do find some, not vindication, but in a sense within the story that, you know, that things will be changing for people moving forward. Um, our sweet president, our dear president, signed a second order directing the Department of Education to, to review all of its regulations, orders, and guidance to ensure they are consistent with the administration's promise that all students are guaranteed education-free from sexual violence. Now, Betsy DeVos fucked this one up big time when she was in her position. They're fixing that. The order explicitly directs the department to evaluate Title IX changes by President uh, Donald Trump's education secretary, Betsy DeVos, who dismantled Obama-era rules on sexual discrimination and harassment in federally funded education programs. She implemented regulations that altered the handling of sexual assault allegations on college campuses, giving schools more latitude in deciding whether to even report accusations to the Title IX office. Mm. I am so glad she's gone. I am so, so glad she's gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the former guy is gone too. This is um, oh, you and me both. Incredible progress, incredible, incredible progress. So, yes, feeling a little bit of vindication, as should all listeners who helped, um, you know, by voting. <laughs> Seriously, you know, um, we did it, and uh, we're going to see more more stuff like this in the coming years. So, well done, everybody. All right, everybody, I've got a lot more headlines to cover in the next couple of blocks. So stick around. We'll be right back after this break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Life can be stressful, very unpredictable, it can cause a lot of anxiety, and when it throws a curveball your way, just remember you don't have to face it alone. So if you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living your happiest life, I recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges, and it's not self-help or a crisis line, it's actual professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. You know I've had my own challenges with PTS and anxiety, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than to try to take it on alone. The great thing is BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide. You get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly or video or phone sessions, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so it's easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. Check out their website and read testimonials like this one by 
BetterHelp user CA, who says, Dr. Black is an excellent listener and doesn't give up on her clients. She works with her clients to come up with solutions that might they might not have thought up on their own. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. So there are new guidelines out from the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Uh, They say people fully vaccinated against COVID-19 can safely visit with other vaccinated people and small groups of unvaccinated people in some circumstances. But there are still important safety precautions needed. The CDC defines people who are fully vaccinated as those who are two weeks past their second dose of Moderna or Pfizer and two weeks past the single dose of Johnson & Johnson. There's growing evidence that people who are vaccinated don't spread COVID-19, but scientists are still trying to understand how long the vaccine protection lasts. But that's really important. These studies are showing that people who get the vaccine aren't vectors anymore. They can't catch it, not know it, and spread it. That's really, really important, and I'm sure we'll be seeing more studies and more data on that. Now, this new CDC guidance says fully vaccinated people can visit other vaccinated people indoors without masks or physical distancing. They can visit indoors with unvaccinated people from a single household without masks or physical distancing if the unvaccinated people are at low risk for severe disease. So if you're younger and you're unvaccinated, but your folks are both vaccinated, you can visit indoors without masks or physical distancing, as long as you, the younger person, or, you know, older, but as long as you're not, as long as you're at low risk for severe disease. Um, Vaccinated people can skip quarantine and testing if they're exposed to someone who has COVID-19 but are asymptomatic, but they should monitor for symptoms for 14 days, take your temperature, etc., And this means that vaccinated grandparents can finally feel comfortable visiting their unvaccinated grandchildren and giving them a big hug, especially if they're local, because the CDC says people should still avoid travel as long as none of the unvaccinated people in that household are at risk for COVID-19. Again, so the young people need to not be at risk if you're visiting with older people who have been vaccinated. And if you and your friend are both vaccinated, you can finally have dinner together, uh, unmasked, no social distancing. Uh, However, people who are fully vaccinated still need to take precautions in many scenarios. The guidelines say fully vaccinated people must wear a mask and keep good social physical distance around the unvaccinated who are at increased risk for severe COVID-19 or if the unvaccinated person has a household member who is at a higher risk. So remember that if you want to visit your parents, make sure and you're at low risk for disease and your parents are vaccinated, make sure you don't live with anybody who's at high risk. Because while there's, you know, they're saying there's early signs that vaccinated people can't be vectors for the virus, we still aren't sure. So they're still recommending against that. Um, Make sure you also wear masks and physically distance when visiting unvaccinated people who are from multiple households. In addition, Fully vaccinated people should continue basic safety precautions, including wearing a mask that fits well and keeping physical distance in public, avoiding medium and large sized crowds, avoiding poorly ventilated public spaces, washing hands frequently and getting tested for COVID-19 if they feel sick. So kind of the same guidelines, vaccinated or not, for hanging out in public, right? Now, the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, said CDC travel guidelines will remain the same for the vaccinated until there is more data about how much or how little vaccinated people can transmit the virus to others, which is what I was just mentioning earlier. Again, signs are showing that you wouldn't be a vector if you've been vaccinated, but that hasn't been proven. That hasn't been like in like peer reviewed studies or anything. 
Um, CDC director also added that a larger swath of the population will also need to be vaccinated before it's really safe. Now, Biden is set to deliver primetime remarks this Thursday to mark the one-year anniversary of the COVID lockdown. Uh, I remember, oh, it was a year ago this week when um, Jordan and Mandy and I were discussing having to record um, virtually from home. We shouldn't be meeting in person anymore and uh, that we couldn't go out and, and do things anymore. I remember that. And that the rest of March took until... March started again this year, pretty much. It was just such a long month. Now, um, regarding the COVID relief plan, the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, it's passed the Senate, as we know, heads back to the House now for final passage before it heads to Biden's desk for signature. Uh, I think they're voting on it Wednesday. Uh, So there was a one day delay. Uh, I think they were going to vote on it uh, Tuesday, but they're going to vote on it Wednesday, which means it could hit Biden's desk Wednesday night or Thursday day. Before he delivers those primetime remarks, the House is expected to hold a procedural vote on the bill um, Monday night um, and the final passage again slated for Wednesday. So maybe that procedural vote will not happen Tuesday. I'm not sure. I'll have to look into that. But there were positive signals from Pelosi and her leadership team over the weekend when key progressives in the House appeared poised to support the relief bill a second time, even though many are expressing frustration at the changes that curtailed the extension of unemployment benefits and blocked an effort to gradually raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Now, the extension of unemployment benefits is now done. That's going through September in the final bill. However, it's gone from $400 a week to $300 a week. But instead of ending in July, they end in September. But even as Republicans in Congress are attacking Biden's plan to pour hundreds of billions of dollars in pandemic relief and aid into local governments, those lawmakers in in Congress are facing resistance from Republicans. Republican mayors in Texas, Arizona, Florida, and Oklahoma are among those backing Biden's state and local government funding plan. And and that state and local government funding plan is part of the coronavirus aid bill that's, you know, that the Senate just passed. Um, Quote, in a crisis and an emergency, you check partisanship at the door and you get through the crisis. That's John Giles, the Republican mayor of Mesa, Arizona. Quote, you can get back to playing politics when the crisis is over. And so this is one of those times. The clash between local and national Republicans is a rare public division in the party that has generally been united in opposition to policies being pushed by Biden and Democrats that control Congress. It's a breach that Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi have gone out of their way to exploit as the coronavirus legislation enters the final stretch. Now, Biden underlined the conflict with the party within the party by inviting a bipartisan group of governors and mayors to the White House last month to discuss local funding issues. Pelosi late last month said Republicans in Congress were choosing to mock the aid package despite its broad support, citing a bipartisan letter signed by mayors across the country requesting more aid, including signatures from more than 30 Republicans. Mm hmm. So there's your unity. That The only people who aren't united here are the Republican lawmakers in Congress. Obscured by other parts of President Biden's trillion, no $1.9 trillion stimulus package, the child benefit has the makings of a policy revolution. Though framed in technocratic terms as an expansion of an existing tax credit, it is essentially guaranteed income for families with children, akin to children's allowances that are common in other rich countries. The plan establishes the benefit for one year. But if it becomes permanent, as Democrats intend it to, it will greatly enlarge the safety net for the poor and the middle class at a time when the volatile modern economy often leaves families moving between those groups. More than 93 percent of children, that's 69 million children, will receive benefits under the plan at a one-year cost 
of more than $100 billion. In fact, the legislation includes so many notable big-ticket provisions that it's gaining almost no attention for another notable feature, rescuing the pensions of more than one million workers and retirees. The Senate bill, like the version that recently came out of the House, addressed what has become a crisis among multi-employer pension plans. These plans are negotiated between unions and employers in fields where workers tend to change jobs a lot, like construction, trucking, and mining. Some of them have fallen into rough shape as industries have changed and union jobs have disappeared. As the most uh, troubled funds start to run out of money, so will the multi-employer pension program at the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, PBGC. That's the government-run entity that insures the plans. Due to the bad fiscal shape of more than 100 multi-employer plans, the PBGC projects that its insurance program would become insolvent by 2026. If that happened, the PBGC would fail to cover the benefit retirees are owed, leaving many with pennies on the dollar. And after years of trying and failing to pass a fix in Congress, Democrats decided to attach one to the COVID-19 relief plan, arguing it was essential to the retirement security of more than a million people. The provision approved both by the House and Senate provides $86 billion in direct aid for those pension funds that need it and is paid from the Treasury through the PBGC. That money would partially offset, be offset by increased insurance premiums on certain pension funds. Democrats estimate the total cost to be around $65 billion. The pension fix didn't come without a trade-off, though, because they imposed a cap of $1.9 trillion on the whole plan. Democrats chose to pare back the unemployment benefits during negotiations in order to free up money for the pension funding. So that's what happened to the unemployment benefit. It wasn't just that somebody wanted it lower or for shorter amounts of time. It was a, a trade-off to rescue these pension funds. David Brenner, a pension expert at Seagal Consulting, a firm which advises these multi-employer funds, called the measure in the relief bill a discrete fix for a defined group of plans. Quote, this does allow a narrow subset of troubled plans to avoid having to make a painful move of reducing benefits for already retired participants. That's what Brenner told the Huffington Post in an email. Quote, it also provides the option for plans that have made the move to possibly reverse the decision. He said um, the measure buys a lot of time to come up with long-term policy solutions to bolster other multi-employer plans that could run into trouble, although it does not resolve a broader problem in the United States, which is the inability of a very wide swath of workers being able to retire with financial security and dignity. And racial demographics are not being uniformly reported by all states and localities, those being vaccinated, making it nearly impossible for the CDC Equity Task Force to target communities being underserved. According to the CDC, from the reporting they have, fewer than half of black people are receiving the vaccine than compared to whites, which will have detrimental impacts on vaccine deployment in the economy. And obviously, uh, you know, underserved communities. All this, as more states are easing restrictions on activities and mask wearing as the number of daily cases has dropped below 50,000 a day. Wyoming is said to be the next state to end its mask mandate. Now, eligibility for the vaccine is expanding in many states as the cases plateau as more vaccine is being manufactured. And nearly 10 percent of Americans have been fully vaccinated now with over 92 million vaccines administered. And we're learning that those who have been fully vaccinated, as I said earlier, have a lower chance of even being vectors for the vaccine. But we're still waiting for more information on that as studies continue. Now, we have a lot more news to get to. I will go over it right after this break. So stay with us. 
Hey, everybody. I know some of you are sleeping on old mattresses at night, and you deserve better than that. So give yourself an upgrade. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. They have solved sleep issues and given me restful nights again. We all have trouble sleeping from time to time. I haven't slept well in the past four years. I thought it was the daily stress of covering politics with 45 plaguing my nightmares. But as it turns out, my lack of sleep was caused by my mattress not being made for me. Thankfully, I found Helix. Helix Sleep recognizes that we all sleep differently, and they customize the mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. They created an online sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete, and they use those answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a very plush bed or a firm one, or if you sleep on your side or your belly, or you sleep really hot with Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. It is the best mattress I've ever had. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So, member retired General Russell uh, Honore, he's going to release his report on the insurrection. According to recommendations supplied by him, Congress, and these are this report is about to come out, but they got a copy of it early. But these are the recommendations. He's saying Congress should expand the Capitol Police's skeletal team of intelligence analysts, install a retractable fence around the building, and increase background checks to decrease insider threat risks. Honoré will propose a series of uh, intensive security measures that they say respond to glaring gaps in capital security measures that enabled a violent mob to overtake the building and disrupt the transfer of presidential power. That's the insurrection on January 6th. Quote, any security measure that reduces physical access to the Capitol complex makes it less accessible to the public it serves. As representatives of the people, members understandably seek to be available for their constituents and transparent about their travel and activities, yet such openness can create physical security vulnerabilities. Honoré's review will ignite what is expected to be a tense reckoning among lawmakers who have been surrounded by thousands of National Guard troops fencing and razor wire since the insurrection. This report arrives at a moment of extreme distrust among lawmakers themselves, with many Democrats viewing the 138 Republicans who voted against certifying some of the state's election results as a driver of the violent riots. And Republicans have blasted Honoré for his comments accusing some GOP lawmakers and Capitol Police of complicity in the attack. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy has argued that he worries Honoré's recommendations would permanently turn the Capitol into a quote-unquote fortress. Uh, I thought Trump did that. Honoré's group's most significant recommendation includes the establishment of a dedicated quick reaction force for all of Washington, D.C., one that could respond to developing emergencies and quickly ramp up law enforcement capacity. Honoré's team will propose three options, a force consisting of multiple law enforcement agencies that is granted legal authority and funding, a quick reaction force run by the D.C. National Guard that draws from National Guard units across the country, and a permanent military police battalion housed within the D.C. National Guard. Uh, The advisors also found that the Capitol Police's ability to process intelligence about the rising volume of threats against lawmakers is inadequate. So here, Honoré isn't saying, you know, the FBI did, did the wrong thing. The intel was a failure. They're saying the failure was you know, or they're, I guess he's implying that the failures with the Capitol Police and their ability to process the intelligence. 
Honoré's group also recommended overhauling the Capitol Police Board, the obscure entity that includes the uh, uni- uh, the United States Capitol Police Chief, as well as the House and Senate security officials and the architect of the Capitol, to make it less cumbersome during a crisis. Now, remember, the board, uh, if you remember Sund's testimony, uh, he, he was the former U.S. Capitol Police Chief, went to the board to re- request an emergency authorization uh, two days before the insurrection, and they denied it because Irving and Stenger would not also make that recommendation. Now, these uh, recommendations here for Minore would include empowering the Capitol Police Chief to act unilaterally during a crisis. Hmm. Smart move. Among other recommendations, I also think that, by the way, the 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 commander of the National Guard should also be able to act unilaterally. But that's just me. Uh, other recommendations, expanding the Capitol Police's canine explosive detection program, reestablishing horse-mounted patrols, requiring the presence of specially trained civil defense units every time Congress is in session, and equipping all uniformed officers with riot gear and less-than-lethal weapons. Establishing an unblinking monitoring system of cameras and other sensors to help slow and track emerging threats to the building. Better route planning for capital evacuations during an emergency. And uh, Honore also delved into what is likely to become a controversial subject. Enhanced background checks of all members, staff, and capital employees to prevent any insider threats. Quote, requiring background checks for identification card holders and employing card readers more widely throughout the complex would decrease insider threat risks and enhance the safety of all members, staff, and legislative employees. These recommendations come as Democrats have continued to allege that some Republicans may have wittingly or unwittingly aided the January 6th riots, either by stoking then-President Donald Trump's false claims that the election had been stolen, or by encouraging people to march on D.C. amid Trump's calls to stop Congress from certifying his defeat. Honore will also be recommending pushing capital screening further back from the building and adding more screening portals throughout the complex. Aside from security within the Capitol complex, Honore offered initial recommendations about security for lawmakers while they're traveling or uh, in their districts. Though current protocols provide for security for legislative leaders, rank-and-file members often have limited or inconsistent protection at their homes, in their districts, and while in transit. The advisors recommend establishing a threat-based system for providing security to non-leadership members and the establishment of a member travel operations center to manage security for lawmakers while in transit. District offices should also be upgraded to ensure a uniform level of monitoring and safety. So those are uh, apparently going to be his recommendations. We'll let you know when the full report comes out. But those are the that's the long and short of it. Now, the two top Democrats in New York State's legislature said on Sunday that sexual harassment allegations leveled against Cuomo by five women, most former aides, have uh, undermined his ability to lead and have called for his resignation. In calling for the governor to step down, State Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins also cited charges that Cuomo's governing style created a toxic work environment and that his office underreported the coronavirus death toll among nursing home residents. Quote, every day there's another account that is drawing away from the business of government, Stewart-Cousins said in a statement. Quote, we need to govern without daily distractions for the good of the state, and he must resign. House Assembly Speaker Carl Hesty followed with a statement in which he uh, said he shares Stuart Cousins' sentiment regarding the governor's ability to continue to lead the state. Earlier in the day, the most powerful New Yorker in Congress, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, called the allegations of unwanted advances and inappropriate remarks against his fellow Democrat deeply troubling and said he backed the investigation launched by State Attorney General Letitia James. 
And I just really want to address really quick the concerns I've seen online from people saying this is a hit job, just a hit job to get a Trump ally to replace Cuomo and pardon Trump for his New York state crimes that could be brought against him from the Manhattan District Attorney or from the Attorney General Letitia James. Um, if if Cuomo resigns, though he said he's not going to resign, if he resigns, Lieutenant Governor, the Lieutenant Governor takes over. She's a Democrat. She would serve out the rest of his term uh, until the 2022 gubernatorial elections. In those elections, uh, it, I seriously doubt that anyone who would pardon Trump would win a statewide New York gubernatorial election. Uh, however, there's nobody that could quickly replace Cuomo that would be a Trump pardoner because the lieutenant governor is going to be serving out the rest of that term if Cuomo resigns, though he, again, has said he will not. So the 2022 election is always a concern. I mean, you could always say, hey, he could lose the election next time. And honestly, for any future governor, at, at some point, Cuomo will not be governor, whether he retires or gets voted out of office. Uh, he won't be governor. And there's always, I guess, a risk of somebody pardoning Trump in the future, sometime in the future. Uh, but I seriously wouldn't have any concerns about that, uh, particularly in the near term. Uh, if charges are brought uh, against Donald Trump, it's going to be well before 2022. And even if Cuomo does lose, and if th these allegations help him lose in 2022, I seriously doubt there is anyone in New York who would win a statewide gubernatorial election that would pardon Donald Trump. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying this isn't a hit job. This could totally be a hit job. However, I, I, I believe these women, and these are really serious, um, awful allegations. They're deeply troubling, as Chuck Schumer has said, and there's an investigation ongoing. So we will see what comes out of that investigation. Uh, however, don't I wouldn't be concerned about anyone coming in to pardon Trump. Now... On to the next story here. The charges against Kenneth Walker stemming from last March's fatal Louisville Metro Police shooting of Breonna Taylor have been permanently dismissed. That Kenneth Walker is Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. Jefferson Circuit Court Judge Olu Stevens ruled the charges would be dismissed with prejudice, meaning he cannot be recharged for the March 13th, 2020 incident. Walker, Taylor's then-boyfriend, was arrested and charged with assault and attempted murder of a police officer after he shot Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly in the thigh as police burst into Taylor's apartment with a search warrant shortly before 1 a.m. It's important to note that that search warrant was obtained under false allegations. Walker has maintained that he didn't know the police were at the door and thought, the intru thought intruders were breaking in. Those charges were dismissed without prejudice in May 2020. Uh, with Jefferson Commonwealth's attorney Tom Wine calling for more investigation to determine if criminal charges were warranted and Walker should be recharged. Now, this is with prejudice. This dismissal is permanently um, dropping the charges against Walker. And it's the first day of the trial of Officer Chauvin, charged with the murder of George Floyd. And Andrew Torres and I are going to go over that in great detail on Wednesday's Clean Up on Aisle 45 podcast. So tune into that. Subscribe if you're not already. Also today, a September court ruling allowing Texans to register to vote online when updating their driver's licenses has led to over half a million Texans to register to vote in the state. That's according to the advocacy group Move Texas, a milestone that voting rights advocates hope will lead to the adoption of a broad online voter registration system in Texas, which is by far the largest state not allowing all voters to register online. A judge ruled in September that the state had to start allowing residents to add their names to voter rolls when updating driver's license information after Move Texas and the Texas Civil Rights Project sued, marking the first time online voter registration was allowed at all in Texas. 
The lawsuit successfully argued that the National Voter Registration Act, also also called the Motor Voter Law, which requires states to let residents register to vote when applying or renewing driver's licenses, should also apply if that process is online. (laughs) By the way, 96% of Texans are eligible for driver's licenses and have one. 96% of Texans have a driver's license, according to the Texas Tribune. And the Supreme Court Monday turned away the final challenge brought as part of Donald's effort to overturn last year's presidential election, bringing an understated close to the legal drama that consumed the nation for weeks. Without explanation or comment, the justices declined to hear Trump's challenge to more than 221,000 Wisconsin ballots that Republican attorneys said were counted only because of voting procedures implemented for the pandemic. Womp womp. So that's all over now. And finally... Uh, Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri has announced he will not run for re-election in 2022. He's joining Rob Portman of Ohio, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, Richard Shelby of Alabama, and Richard Burr of North Carolina, all Republicans, five Republican incumbents now not running for Senate in 2022. Everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Remember just earlier in the podcast, I talked about trouble sleeping and my incredible customized Helix mattress. Even cooler, Helix has gone on to start the company Allform to bring beautiful customizable furniture to every room in your home. Allform crafts the most gorgeous high-quality sofas and chairs made to your specifications and then deliver directly to you with fast free shipping. You can customize your own sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. With Allform, you pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, so great for pod pets. You pick the color, the, the finish of the legs, the sofa size, the shape. Make sure it's perfect for you and your home. It's so beautiful and wonderful. I have a three-seater sofa I picked out, customized in whiskey leather. I could never have a leather couch with the cats, but because they're scratch and stain room spill resistant, it's working out. They have It has a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge. Came in a couple of days. I put it together myself. No tools. It's roomy and modern, and I love that it was designed just to my specifications. Normally, if you want to order a customized sofa, it can take weeks or months, and you need someone to come assemble it in your home. But again, all form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. Uh, you can... Uh, go from armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight seat sectional so there's something for everyone and you can start small and add more on later if you buy a bigger home or your family grows uh, so the best of all you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it that's more than three months and if you don't love it they'll pick it up for free and give you a refund they also have a forever warranty literally forever so to find your perfect sofa check out allform.com slash daily beans and allform is offering 20% off all orders 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash daily beans all right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Boy, it took a long time to get here with all that news. My <laughs> goodness, but you killed it today. Well done, my friend. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's hard to digest so much of that. You really make it palatable for all of our listeners. Uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you saying that. That's my job. Uh, everybody, we have so many good news submissions um, today. And my producer has said we've got a, a really good one at the end. They're all really good, but I'm looking forward to that. And if you have any submissions for this segment, whether they're misheard song lyrics or you want us to guess that mutt, or, you know, uh, <laughs> we have to come up with a title for that, or uh, anything, confessions, corrections, good news, pictures of your happy place, pictures of your pod pet, 
pets, your kids, your grandkids, send them in. <laughs> I am so, I God, I turn into a, a teenage boy sometimes when you said pictures of your happy place. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we cannot send those pictures in. Send me photos of your garden. No, of your not. lady garden. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you could submit anything that you need to submit to us, except those kinds of pictures. And you could do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. This first submission comes from Lisa, pronouns she and her. Hello, ladies. Listen to you every day when I do my Meals on Wheels route. Oh, oh, thank you, nice. Lisa, for doing that. Been listening to you for years now. Great podcast, Allison. I have messed up. I have a messed up lyrics story. I used to know a girl in college that when In Excess sang Suicide Blonde, <laughs> she thought they were saying Soup and Salad Bar. Wow. It's hard not to hear it 30 years later. Gonna be a takedown, Suicide Blonde. Soup and salad bar. For my pet tax, I'm sending my two dogs, Lucy and Bella. Lucy is the all black one at 130 pounds. Hint, she's small for her breed. And Bella is our very sweet rescue. Hope you have a great day. And your podcast of truth and info is so needed these days. Thank you. All right. 130 pounds, small for the breed, all black. I'm going to say Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a Newfoundland. Look at that baby. Oh, my God. So sweet. And the other one is so cute. Oh, what is all over? Look at that husky mix. Oh, it's so beautiful. What beautiful puppers. I know. Oh, my God. I love these. Thank you so much for that. I love these stories about misheard lyrics. They're making me laugh. All right, this next one's from Phoebe, pronouns she and her. Listening to the, hey, how are you response from listener during passing of the peace at a funeral reminds me of misheard lyrics from my sister in her youth. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we are Epis- Episcopalian, aka Catholic Light, and mm-hmm. each Sunday would sing a few regular psalms. Uh, side note, we're a bit of a naughty bunch, so we kind of turn these into sea shanties uh, whenever <laughs> whenever possible. Church with us is fun. Anyway, one of the weekly ditties included the phrase, Hosanna in the highest. Ah, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Yep, yep, yep. All right. My sister is a very young child, but also very wise in the way of church as related to Christmas. Spent her youngest years thinking that phrase was, O Santa in the highest, which I feel like is pretty valid. <laughs> That's amazing. Still a favorite in our family. Oh, yep. I remember that. I remember that one. Oh, the, it, the hymns we used to sing. Oh, my gosh. They're so boring. So I'm glad that you spiced them up. And I I love that uh, that you <laughs> turned them into sea shanties. <laughs> oh, my God. It's great. Uh, next up from Patty, she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I work at the public library. Very cool, Patty. Very good job. I really like my job, says Patty. Hopefully some good news since we've been closed for almost one year. There were some men from the public works department measuring our desk and checkout areas for a plastic screening, a definite step in the right direction. We are semi-open for curbside pickup. By the way, I'm the Patty who found the new sister through a little spit in a vial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. What a blessing. She's been in my life. And now that we've both received both vaccines, we can visit. AG, thank you for the news uh, worth sharing with just the right amount of swearing. Oh, that rhymes. Dana and Amy, you two are such a joy to listen to. Thank Pet you. Tax is my kitties doing their yin and yang thing. Tommy ate uh, Tommy at the tub and one of the many hummingbirds who love my sugar water. Anyone feeding hummingbirds, please change their food frequently. It can grow bacteria that can harm the birds. Oh, good to know. Oh, good to know indeed because I love hummingbirds. Oh, these kitties look so soft. I know. Oh, there's a hummingbird for me. Yay. They're so beautiful. Um, let's see. We've got a quick one. 
And then uh, uh, we got a dog breed. This is a picture of my dog. This is from Anne, no pronouns given. This is a picture of my dog who I adopted in October. I have to have his DNA done to figure it. I had to have his DNA done to figure it out. Okay. They're shepherd ears, unless I'm crazy. <laughs> Those are big ass ears. And it looks like on a chihuahua. Also, but like a wired hair terrier. Is that a thing? You know what I bet is that the, yeah, the terrier looks like terrier, but also looks like there could be some Chinese crested in there with the ear floofs. Floofs. Could be. <laughs> but definitely there's a chihuahua. And, there's, I f- and I feel like a shepherd and I still think that there is like some sort of a terrier for sure in there. Terrier. Yeah. There's definitely some, like a toto dog. Chihuahua, schnauzer, miniature poodle mix. Schnauzer gives the wire. Those... I, well, where the fuck did those ears come from? Schnauzer must be Schnauzer. You can get satellite radio with those. You don't even need them. <laughs> They're a... so big. <laughs> They're so big. Oh my God. So cute. The pupper is so cute. Thank you for that. Do the next one too, because that was a short one. You got it. All right. This is from La 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 Lauren, pronoun she and her. Hello, beans, beanie ladies, for your consideration. Here's my mixed breed pupper, Randy. He enjoys chasing lizards and barking. He's very good at it. Please enjoy two pictures of my good boy. I love you, ladies, and thank you for keeping me sane. Oh my goodness. What beautiful coloring. Super red dog. So I'm thinking maybe bloodhound. Shepherd in the second picture. Let me see the second picture here. Oh, yeah. Shepherd. Maybe a Vishla or one of those little barkless Japanese guys. Could be. Shepherd of the shepherd of the uh, German kind. <laughs> and um, what is that? Razorback? And what are those? Um... Oh, the Ro- Ro- Rhodesian Ridgeback? Yeah, Rhodesian Ridgeback. I don't know why, but the head. The head gives me a little Rhodesian, R- Rhodesian Ridgeback. We'll see. Yeah, kind of, huh? Yeah. All right. Let's see what it says. All right. German Shepherd. You got it. Chow. Chow, chow. Oh, and he loves you. (laughs) Oh, cute, cute. Oh, that is so cute. All right. Next up. Here we go from Jonah, pronoun she and her. I have a confession. Today, while I was getting out of the shower, my fat cat Lucy pushed her way into the bathroom. Pretty standard. Uh, as she feels uh, the need to open doors and generally bug the shit out of me. <laughs> However, today she got stuck in a bra hanging on the back of the door. I do this. Oh I do this. This happens a lot at my house. My confession is that I laughed and took the time to take a picture while she meowed at me and walked back and forth trying to get out. I'm sure she'll get me, she will get me back by waking me up at 3.30 and crying incessantly for food. Hence, fat cat. Pictures are attached as tax. <laughs> I think this community is probably one of the few that would be entertained by this. <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure how she was caught in the ball, but the fact that it's a pelvis sling is fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, Lucy. Aww. Oh, Lucy's like, what the hell? Okay. Thank you so much for that. Oh, for that good laugh. I appreciate that. Oh, this next one's from Mac, pronouns he, him. Supremely good news, y'all. My parents got their second COVID shot last week. So for the first time in a blessed year, I was able to hug them without worry. I can't tell you how happy that made me. Pod Pet Tax, our black cat, Rukia. I love that name. Getting up on the sills since the windows are rarely open. Yeah, look at that floofer tail. What a beautiful house, yeah. Oh, that is nice. I love the wood floors. Yeah. And uh, finally, from Ashley, pronouns she and her. Hello, ladies. I've written in a few times. I always get excited to have my submissions read on the air. I love the community you ladies have created. And during these trying times, I just cannot thank you enough. Now for the good news. I wrote in anonymously early last summer and told you we had started the process for my husband to officially adopt my daughter from a previous marriage. 
He has been her dad almost as long as she can remember, but the actual adoption process is not a cheap one. We were finally in a place where we could change the situation, but because we didn't know how long the process was going to take or how difficult it was going to be, we kept it secret from my daughter. Even though she's 10, we knew she would ask every single day about it if we told her ahead of time. After many long months of waiting, court documents, COVID delays, etc., we finally got the good news from our lawyer that her adoption was finalized last month. Because we don't have any family here in Texas, we decided to surprise her and make a memory we would never forget. We hired our family photographer, told the kids we were doing family pictures, and met her at the park. She took a few pictures of the kids, and then we changed into matching t-shirts saying, It's official. Team, our last name. It wasn't until I pulled out a letter board that said, I'm adopted, that she really understood what was actually happening. Her reaction was absolutely worth the almost year of keeping it a secret. Now we have some wonderful new family photos, and all our family and friends from around the country are able to share the moment with us. In lieu of pet tax this time, I'm including a couple of the images we had taken. I hope this brings some joy and happiness to you and the listeners. I still get teary looking through the album. Once again, thank you for being the beacon of light during all our dark times. The way you give the news each day really helps us ease the anxiety that I found myself crippled by during the previous administration. Look at this first picture, how happy she is. Oh Oh my gosh. So emotional. Oh, so emotional. She's being handed the sign that says, I'm adopted. Oh, thank you for ending with this one. This is so beautiful. Oh, look at her. She's so happy. Some happy tears. Indeed. Congratulations, Ashley. What a beautiful family. Oh, well, on that note, um, we're going to wrap up the show. Dana, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, you know what? I'm just wishing you all a good weekend. Um, you know, good weekend. Jesus Christ, it's Tuesday. I'm wishing you all a good week. <laughs> you know what? what? Just what take the rest of the week off. Know. You know what, everyone? Just take the rest of the week <laughs> off. You know what? Fuck it. Just, I'm going to take a nap. Just do what you want to do. Um, I just wish everyone a good week. Uh, we're, it's so crazy that we're in March and we're coming up to the one year of the, you know, I know for me, the one year of basically my entire world coming to a screeching halt um, with work. So we're just coming out of it, you know, and there's some lights at the end of the tunnel and more and more people are getting vaccinated. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, our time will come soon and we can get back to a little bit of the things that bring me joy. And that means performing and being live. So thank you all for supporting me through this. And, uh, you know, just be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. And now that the CDC is allowing vaccinated families to to be reunited, if you have any photos that you want to share or stories of of seeing your parents again. Oh my God, if you want to make me cry for two hours, uh, yeah. Or grandkids seeing, grandparents seeing their grandkids again. Uh, I went over the, the recommendations in detail earlier in the show, but if, if you have any of those, you know, reuniting stories, we'd love to hear from you. We're so excited about this. And, and this is the kind of uplifting, amazing stuff that we worked so hard for. Um, to get so you know feel free to share those if, if you're if you're up to it you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and everybody <clears throat> until tomorrow i'm sorry i'm like oh this was a this was a meaningful uh, good news segment everybody please take care Indeed. of yourselves take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans
The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. I saw a billboard. We were driving back from Vegas and saw a billboard that said, Le-, you know, there were for apartments for lease. And they're like, leasing information, call this number. And I was like, leasing information? How do you lease information? How- you can't give it back. Once you know something, don't you just know it? Like, And then I was like, oh, wait. Yep. You just have the moments. I had mine on the show the other day. If you were listening to the episode th- on Thursday, actually, right before you tune into this, um, they were talking about cats that didn't have any meows and they were getting lost in different a- in places and missing. And so the story was basically like the cat disappeared and it didn't have any meow. And they're like, oh, my God, we need to find it. We're going to look for the cat. We put out food. We put up signs. And in my head, my brain went... <laughs> How, who the who are the signs for? Like the, the cat's not going to know what the read. signs says. Oh my god! I, I, I the pause in the story. Pause. Get it? No pun intended. But the pause yeah, in the story. I do think people <laughs> will hear it. But it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, you're, yeah. Your first thought was signs. Cats can't read. Yeah. Cats can't read. All right. That's so great. And now, like, I want to put signs up like that. That that you know, are just a picture of a cat being like, Hey Bruce, you're missing. Come home. Right. Uh, and uh, how do we know? I mean, let's be honest. You don't know if cats can or can't read. <laughs> so no, we're just making an assumption true. there. Uh, making <clears throat> an my, assumption. My friend who's a comedian, Brian Simpson, he has this whole bit about, you know, uh, he sees lost dog signs and it's like, we, you know, we miss our boy. He wants to come home. He misses up. He misses us. And, and Brian's like, are you sure? Because the last time, last I read that dogs <laughs> can smell you from three miles away. So maybe that motherfucker chose the streets. Uh, yeah. <laughs>